0: Thank you.
1: Take a nice deep breath, coming into this state of presence. We thank you for being here, and I am thankful to be here. today be grounded and rooted with intention. May I speak from a place of love and thoughtfulness. May the words that come out of my mouth be guided by spirit May they flow effortlessly with ease and grace. And may they be exactly what a listener out there needs to hear today. There are no accidents, nothing happens by chance, all is orchestrated from a higher dimension. There are only synchronicities and miracles and divine alignment. May the divine spirit be very present with us in this room, in the space of the listener and in our hearts. May we be guided by this presence of unconditional love and grace. Our intention for today's conversation is to discuss the topics of fear and faith. something awkward or stupid and just allow the flow to come effortlessly
2: Thank you, Cam. Thank you very that was much, John.
1: Thank you. The bulls are always beautiful.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have, which ones did you bring up?
1: I brought out the root chakra, the throat chakra, and the crown chakra. Gotcha. Gotcha. And these are all tuned to 432 hertz.
2: How long have you had these?
1: Um, let's see, I got them ooh, probably 2017. Okay. Like January. Nice. Maybe nice. 2018. I okay. don't know. Not, Years not are hard for me to remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you live in timelessness. <laughs> I know, I was talking
2: to my little brother for the, sure last, uh, the last episode that we did, and we were talking about 2014 for whatever reason, and we were like, yeah, so you would have been eight years old, so that was like half your lifetime ago. Mm. I was like, 2014? Like, that feels like just, you know, early adulthood for me, just a few years ago, you know? Yeah. Time, I, time is a is a funny thing.
1: It's, it is. It's nuts.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: My daughter would have been... Oh, one year away from being. <laughs> gotcha. But I would have had a one-year-old son. But my, yeah. my children, I really think, um, have like, catapulted my journey.
2: Yeah, it's no doubt. It's been really amazing. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, too. Um, well, first of all, thank, thank you for doing that. I always find that to be a really beautiful, grounding um, exercise. Um, that was the shortest one that you've ever done. <laughs> I in know room. I think I like deserve a
1: medal for that. <laughs> like I've never done one so short. but thank you. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, well they I mean, it's still it still does its job. um yeah, usually you take us all the way up the shock yeah. and back down and, and back down and I get lost experience in yeah, the yeah, time yeah.
1: at that point I'm like, yeah, how long?
2: yeah like yeah. I
1: just get I just get like I lose myself all the way.
2: yeah, which they're is amazing a good thing. for that, yeah, <laughs> Find a, another aspect of yourself, right? Yeah. You right. you know. right. But I, I was thinking, um, man, I should do something like that before, like every podcast. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. just like a little intentional something. I mean, I do have a practice that I've started doing in the last, I guess, since 2020. But I'm not super consistent with it. Um, I may have told you about this. Have I ever talked to you about um, insos? Have you heard? I of don't that? think so. No. So what that is, is uh, I believe it's a Zen Buddhist practice of using a paintbrush, like a a large paintbrush. And basically they're, on a superficial level, they're drawing a circle or they're painting a circle. But it's this whole, it's this whole process of like bringing the paintbrush to your, to your temple and like really putting your intention into it, like clearing, like waiting until your ego, monkey mind has sort of dissipated a little bit. Wow. And So you move just,
1: the paintbrush kind of up. Or you yes, start down. So and then you so move it I'll up. walk
2: you through the whole thing. So okay. you you have the intention of doing this practice and you've got your your materials, whatever. The canvas or paper okay. or whatever maybe your paint, your paintbrush. Bring the paintbrush, all locked and loaded, it's got the paint on it. You bring it to your third eye. You center yourself. You like breathe into the paintbrush and uh, once you feel like you've sort of quieted the monkey mind a little bit, um, you aim it towards your page, Go, make a yeah, and you just slam it down into the thing and then just let the flow kind of flow this circle. Huh. and uh so so it's a pretty cool image uh, where you'll see like the splatter where mm-hmm. it started and then just it's sort of trailing off in the tail i think i've know? seen that yeah Definitely you probably seen have seen it, that image didn't know what I was yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. so i try to do like a, a short version of that before you know <laughs> recording a take of something or you know mostly with music i haven't thought too much about doing that before podcasts but yeah i mean it's a good it's hey. a good practice you know? yeah
1: before so as frequency matters um, Nicholas plays the guitar in 4:32. I play the singing bowls. You know, mm-hmm. um, we always start with the like going through that that grounding through each uh, chakra, connecting with earth, connecting to source, and then coming back to the heart and setting the intention that everything that flows through our fingers is guided by spirit. Yeah, almost like washing away the the ego, human self. Mm-hmm. from that experience and so the, obviously the setting the intention is really important but allowing that whatever wants to yeah,
2: yeah. that's so so cool yeah i, I try to sh- stray away from saying important that's a that's a word i'm just trying to avoid using I'm overused um uh it actually kind of bridges to uh this manifestation if you want to call it modality okay. that i came across um cool. a couple years ago called reality transurfing. okay and basically mm-hmm. their whole thing is um a practice of how to intentionally align yourself with the timeline that you want to be on you know cool. if there's an infinite yeah. variety of you know ways that we can live life mm-hmm. in that timeline type of philosophy um how to be on the one that you want to be on and it's a pretty cool practice I haven't gotten too deep into it but the one thing that like really stuck with me was their idea of importance um this principle of importance basically the idea is that when we put a lot of importance a lot of significance into something that we do want or something we don't want that that's sort of a grasping energy And so if we're dreading something we don't want, the dread is a negative emotion, the thing we don't want is a negative thing, so we're actually kind of attracting Uh it by putting a lot of thought and emotion into, you know, that not happening being so important, Uh right? And then conversely, if we really put a lot of importance into something positive, that's still a negative vibe you know still clinging towards Uh something that we really really want you know and by doing that we're kind of pushing it away because it's a positive thing and we're holding a negative thing so we're kind of repelling it um so anyway that's kind of a a aside about why i try to avoid that word important but i think it's a really valuable thing to do what you're talking about of really like setting yourself up to be intentionally a channel for just what needs to be you know to sort of like put the ego aside a little bit you know because obviously we're going to bring a little bit of ego and a little bit of personality into everything right, we do you right know?
1: and nobody's gonna do it exactly the same way that i yeah, do it but...
2: right and so that's there's definitely thing.
1: yeah that uniqueness to mm-hmm. it yeah yeah yeah
2: so yeah I, I think i would do well to to ground more into you, you're reminding me to do that more often before any sort of any sort of thing it is something that i did kind of start to practice with like Maybe even when we were doing the Language of Light practices last year. I know definitely uh, when I was in this band, Soul Echo, um, that was a. Like the
1: name.
2: Me too, yeah. I, I could tell you the story of how that name came to me. And I've, since the band has sort of uh, ended, it sort of fizzled in 2020, I had a moment of thinking about talking to the guys about like, you... taking the name. <laughs> Cause it was my idea, and it came to me like a really kind of mystical experience. I was I was at a show um, that I went to on my own. It was this band called Me Without You, and they're like,
1: that's an interesting parallel there. Yeah, Me Without You.
2: Yeah, and it's all one word. Thinking about
1: that name, the you keeping the band name, Me Without You.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that (laughs) band name too. I mean, they're they're kind of big into spirituality. They talk about a lot of different religious myths and their lyricism. There's a lot of Judaism, a lot of Christianity, uh Islam as well is represented in their and their stuff. So that that band name is also sort of that like me without you, you know, that we are all kind of a connected entity, a connected being type of thing. Even though on the surface it sort of sounds like an emo, like me without you you Yeah, I can't live "Eh, without you, Yeah. yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. But anyway, I was having this moment at their show where like I was kind of in the center of the uh, the audience and the singer. It just felt like, it, I felt this connection. I felt like, you know, that's a different version of me like echoing cool. his, it's his soul. And like, I felt like I was the mirror and that wow, like, cool. at the same time I created the experience as much as he did, you know, and it just uh-huh. felt like this very connected, like soul echo, that's you know.
1: Cool. That's uh, neat that you bring that up mirror aspect because that was one of the things that kind of tossed around in my mind of sharing today yeah that how like every person that we interact with is if we see them as a mirror how much uh exponential growth we can experience in as much shorter time in our lives
2: Mm -hmm. like pretty powerful yeah totally totally Yeah, I want to say something about that, but to wrap up up my initial tangent, um, (laughs) yeah, so I had a, I had a a definite affinity and like personal relationship with that band name, you know, Soul Echo. Um, but anyway, I brought that up because like that band was a situation of just sort of like too many cooks in the kitchen. Like we were all very big musical personalities, like we all were composers and stuff and, kind of all sort of wanting to take the band in maybe slightly different directions and stuff. And I was playing bass for the group, so, like, pretty early on, I just kind of, like, okay, like, I'm going to be a support member of this band. Like, I'm not going to try to steer the wheel. So that was something I would do, like, in my car before getting into the practice space, which is, like, I'm here to support, you know? Because we did have some, like, ego clashes, you know, with, like, that too many cooks in the kitchen type thing. Which brings me back to your um, point of the mirror stuff. I've had, like a few kind of significant ego clashes come up in the last month and i always like i I guess you and i maybe haven't talked about this before but yeah that's a huge part of like my lyricism and just sort of my the way i orient myself spiritually is like yeah i totally believe we're like sacred mirrors of each other and that life itself is this sort of sacred mirror maze you know and we're uh navigating this experience and i think the default is, as you know, to be in this sort of ego identity of separation that, you know, we're an island away from reality or that we're experiencing reality and we're like a component within it rather than like, I don't know, I think a bit more as like a garden that like we're flower, you know, plants in a garden. Like you can't separate one plant from the garden. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, it's an expression in and of itself, right? but it seems that our default way of looking at life is that we're somehow a visitor to the moment, to the planet, to, you know, our families or whatever, that we came from somewhere else or something. But it's like, we're literally the Earth, you know? Just like the plants and animals on the planet. Like, we are literally a manifestation and an extension of the Earth, which is an extension of the universe at large, you know? Um, But yeah, was there something you wanted to say about the the mirror sort Um, of...
1: Well, I just think it's when we, when we put that lens on that we can, like, put ourselves, it helps us to, I think, cultivate compassion and understanding because we're, it's, it's, it's different than empathy, right? Because you're listening to somebody else, um, but also, like, kind of filtering that through what can I learn from their experience? And I had written in this old journal of mine that I found was that um, sitting in sacred circle with other women, I was able to learn from a woman, one woman across from me who lost their, their son. How you know that I can I can be extremely grateful for my children, and it even more so from hearing her experience.
2: Right.
1: And uh, another yeah. woman who had realized that. Um, She kind of had lost herself during the child raising years uh, that I'm like, okay, I don't want to have that same experience. What can I do now to make sure that I'm cultivating my uh, individuality as a mother, as a person, Mm -hmm. and not waiting till I find I'm in her
2: position? Gotcha. Uh, At first, I thought you meant that she didn't feel that she was really present in her children's growing up but it was more, so it was more like codependent you know yeah. like there's that
1: codependency entanglement where with so hard with kids where you uh you do everything for them and you almost become them and then at a certain point though they're able to do stuff for themselves right and it's like how do you like step back into yourself and have those boundaries again where it's like they needed everything from you right but now they don't so it's like this dance but.
2: absolutely and you could speak obviously a lot deeper to that than me i'm not a parent <laughs> you know but like that is a pretty uh pretty pretty neat thing to i mean they literally came from you right yeah. like they literally came from your body you yeah. know so you said it's, you almost become them but like they yeah. almost started out as you you know and what a sacred mirror someone that oh, came gosh. out of your body you know <laughs> the, the, like, yeah it, but it, you have that much like more innate deep compassion and like reflection right yeah it from a genetic It's intense ways. because there's yeah.
1: so much of my inner child wounding was illuminated by walking through those same moments with my children, but in a reverse role. Mm. And here I am walking out the role of what my parents did subconsciously, not even recognizing that I'm doing that. And then like, re-wounding the child yeah. that was me it's just so it's convoluted, and it's, yeah, no, and, and it's like, wow, okay, I need to heal that part of me that mm-hmm. I didn't even know was still there and wounded.
2: Yeah, you're bringing up such a good segue into fear. Oh, good, because yeah. that
1: was the first fear topic.
2: <laughs> no, it's, oh, it's happening. Yeah, it's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, that's one of my biggest fears, is to have children. That's a huge fear for me because of my own you know, experience as an ego and not wanting to re- not regurgitate, but not wanting to recycle the karma, you know? Yeah. And recognizing that, like, if I don't smooth out my own stuff, my own wounding and trauma, mm. then it's... I've, I've noticed, I've observed that it seems like... Uh, in fact, I saw a quote on a meme at some point in life. And I'm trying to remember how to paraphrase it. It was basically um, uh, trauma that isn't transcended is transferred. Mm. Something like that. I don't yeah. think transcended was the first word. But yeah, you, you get it. Yeah. You know, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. You know, people. Yeah, until you Help, heal
1: you know. the wounds, you're bleeding yeah. all over. Everything.
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so that's been a huge fear of mine. is like not wanting to be someone who's just pushing that ball of karma further down the snow hill of the avalanche of existence.
1: <laughs> and the, the I think the most challenging part is that you will (laughs) like you will end up repeating that karma but with enough awareness you'll see ew i don't like the way that feels and i need to change the way that i react Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i i really waited to have kids because i felt like i had so much inner child wound Mm -hmm. that i needed to heal and i'm like i'm not passing this on yeah so i'm gonna I, i went through years of therapy to to try to heal and it was powerful and I thought that I had healed but it wasn't until like my daughter is it was like she was the age that I was not yet I was not fully aware because it was like before the age of three she's struggling to go to sleep and I'm like just go to bed (laughs) mama needs a break right (laughs) and I'm losing my mind and I find myself like subconsciously like a like almost robotic playing out going through the motions of oh this is probably how my mom handled it yeah like, oh, I don't want to pass that on yeah okay I need to look at this I really need to look at this and it's, you'd think that like oh well because I was treated that way I should be able to have all the solutions mm-hmm. because I didn't you know I don't want to be treated that way and I don't want to treat my daughter that way but it's a, yeah. it a lot of work but it's definitely illuminating Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I think that it can also... And I'm not a psychologist. I can't speak to too much depth on this. And like you said, it is convoluted. You know, this whole being human and being an ego and what it means to be a parent and a child and that dynamic that we all have that dynamic within us. You know? I suspect that there's some level of us trying to reconcile and or heal... Situations by subconsciously recreating them. Mm. I think that happens oh, in romantic yeah. relationships a lot. Yeah. I would imagine it probably happens in parental relationships too. Yeah, you know, I,
1: I like the the way you say that because I have always seen it from like a just a different perspective. Like we're given the same situation until we figure out a different way.
2: Yeah, higher yeah.
1: way. So I like that. Kind of like when you put because puts the responsibility back on me. It's like I'm subconsciously recreating this. Yeah. Not just being given to me. Like, here's another test. Here's another test. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and like we were talking about with the sacred mirrors, you know, like, I believe it's all us anyway. I don't, you know, yeah, you and I are externalized forms of each other right now, but like, in truth, Mm -hmm. which is to say, like, beyond time, like, we are the same energy. We're the same being. Right.
1: We're all sourced. Yeah. Source created each one of us, and we came from there, and we go back there. And I feel like we're each a different, uh, ex- unique expression of that energy, though so that Source, God, whatever you, however you define it, can experience this creation, His creation, well, through all these different perceptions, stories, lenses
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: yeah, like when you. I think awaken to the fact that that is the energy that keeps you alive, and that you're living and breathing, and that this is like a symbiotic environment that we're all coexisting in. Mm-hmm. And you begin to like shed some of those ego layers and embody more source energy. Then uh, where was what's my point? Uh, but yeah, like we, that's where it's like you can learn so much from each different expression all you all different versions of you
2: Right. yeah I well let me just put it this way like do you feel like there's an end to the journey like do you think we ever are two things I actually thought of um, that's one question if you want to focus on that the other thing I was thinking was you said that we start as source and that we become this creation and then we return to source how do you feel about the idea that we n- never left source? Uh, so maybe you can choose which yeah. of those you want to focus I don't on. have the
1: <laughs> answers. I feel like yeah, that's sure, been like yeah. my lifelong yeah. journey is to figure this all out. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what started my like awakening journey was like too many coincidences occurred. And I'm like, yeah. something's going on here that my human brain can't comprehend and I'm gonna get to the bottom and that's what started this whole journey for me
0: yeah
1: um I don't I don't know I mean I could see it being many different things and yeah, I don't sure. I don't know yeah I don't I try not to like Appreciate lock in that. too many certainties cool. in things that can't be proven sure yeah because I, I think it's so important that we keep our mind open in and Consider different possibilities, but nobody has the truth. Nobody knows the, the true answer, but we can feel truth within ourselves. I do believe, mm-hmm. and I just my intention is to get closer to that truth throughout my
2: life. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that. That's a beautiful response. I feel very similarly. Like I think um, that ultimately, like all we really know is what's here and present, you know. So um, I have a similar personality. Like I, you know, throughout my life was very much in that sort of seeking mentality. Since being very young, you know, it didn't necessarily take synchronicities to like activate me or whatever. I always had a sort of like, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it was kind of neurotic, I'm sure, in certain um, phases of my life, you know, in adolescence and stuff and early early 20s and things like that but I'm grateful that the last few years like I've really relaxed into surrendering to the mystery yeah and just having fun like flowing with the mystery rather than trying to figure it out
1: right so what I've yeah I think along those lines is that I what I've really looked at the last few years is like what makes humans different from other animals that, that we have the ability to connect and communicate with others um, and like we can use tools right mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so i find so much joy in magic like to me it's magical when people get together and play in that space of like i don't know what we're gonna create but let's just see when we each bring our own unique gifts. That's what I loved about um, Kentucky Yoga Fest Mm -hmm. uh, when we were practicing as Language of Light was that we were all in our own strengths and unique gifts, but coming together to create something bigger. Bigger
2: than its parts, And it felt
1: like you could, I could feel when we were really each one of us in our own flow. Yeah. And it sounded like amazing together. Yeah. Because we had that same intention and it was really, really powerful
2: yeah i try to i
1: try to like recreate not recreate like i'm reliving Mm -hmm. like create spaces for people to come together in those spaces of play
2: yeah like um
1: i think through art and music where we really discover our true self and what's really inside of it
2: yeah i think so i think so i was just reminded of a memory of when i was living in price hill i had this big tie-dye tapestry that Kara had made. We had a tie-dye party at some point. She, um, tie-dyed a, uh, a bed sheet. I guess it was. And so I'm just, like, laying down, like, I don't know what I'd been getting into, you know, but I was probably pretty high-vibing, so to speak, and I'm looking at this thing and just, like, listening to music or whatever, and I just, you know, sort of had this, like, transcendental moment of just, like, feeling the cosmic... Fingerprint and her art, and then the music I was listening to, and it just really like imprinted me with this idea that art is, or at least can be, but I think like the best art is really a, um, a template or scaffolding for meditation. That it's a tool for meditation. Um, yeah, just Especially was reminded of uh,
1: that. I've had. Uh, When I create art, I always set an intention first. Yeah, and then it is fascinating to observe my mind throughout the process mm. of creating, because I witness that inner struggle of like good enough, and like having to like develop a, a inner voice that is nurturing and loving. Through that so that I can get to the end and it's like it doesn't really matter what the outcome looks like yeah but it's about that process of exploration and expression Right. and I feel like that's um, really missing in our cultures but not we don't talk about that that it's like it's about expressing what's inside of you it doesn't matter what it looks yeah,
2: like yeah totally like
1: it's it's we're processing outward externally yeah and we need that like you can really literally lose your mind if you try to do that all inside of your head Mm -hmm. because you get in your head it's like the stuff that we're expressing is so emotional and it's just so much bigger than our brains can comprehend and I think that just picking up a pen even writing drawing painting, coloring, like
2: scribbling, like anything, yeah. you know, just and, move your body. Like. And
1: same thing with music, like music is word is, is uh, expression without words, which we try to define everything into words. And there's some stuff that we're feeling that like it just doesn't always have words. Absolutely. And I find words are tough.
2: Mm-hmm. So What do you mean by that?
1: Uh, I, I feel like I never can find the perfect word. And I never I, I wasn't really a big reader growing mm-hmm. up. So part of it's probably because like my vocabulary is not that expensive. Gotcha. But I've always just felt like I don't have enough words to express this experience, the human experience, and all that I'm feeling inside. Yeah. So I often feel like um I can't express myself fully. And so I really do like sound healing for that and setting intentions because of certain you know, there's a certain frequency that like you can't you can't argue with it. Yeah, can't argue with the frequency. Right, you can
2: ignore it. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean, or not tune into you it. You can but set an If intention. you're in tune with a certain frequency, yeah, you're right. It's working on a way that may be conscious, maybe subconscious. You know, but you can't argue with uh, with frequency.
1: Right, and uh, the same thing with intention. When you communicate with somebody else without intention, like we're perceiving through our own lens of experience, all the things that have happened us we're processing what mm. somebody else is saying through everything of our own experience right to the other person that we're talking to hasn't had any of that.
2: Mm-hmm. so
1: i always I've, i find it fascinating to wonder like are you ever really on the same page with me
0: because mm. <laughs> mm. my
1: mm. husband and i had i think this was what makes us work is that we our brains think very differently so it's definitely struggle because We have to communicate extra. We have to put a lot of effort into communication because we could have the same conversation and come out understanding two different things. (laughs) Totally.
2: Totally. Yeah.
1: So intention is so important for me because Mm -hmm. if I set my intention to be loving or to be kind and compassionate, like it's okay if somebody misunderstands me. I don't get hung up on. Right. Like, I know that I intended to be, and sometimes the words that I mean to say just don't come out of my mouth. I'll yeah, say something I totally completely understand. off the wall and I'm like, I didn't mean to say that, I don't know why I said that.
2: Yeah. I, there's, there's a bunch of different avenues or angles of mm-hmm. responding to you that are coming up for me. First of all, I'm curious if you know what your uh, Mercury is in your astrology chart. Are you that privy to your, to your chart? I don't. Okay. okay. No. Um, second, Mercury's in retrograde right now, so it's kind of interesting that you're saying that. Um, I think about this a lot. I think about how limiting language is a lot, and it's kind of funny, and it's actually come up in the last like few podcasts. And I think huh. it's an, an important thing to mention on a podcast because I obviously put some sort of in, like importance value. You know, value. I put some value into you know yep. expressing verbally, okay. and I will admit when you know when you're talking and I was sort of orienting myself to. You were expressing how, you know, verbal expression can be somewhat of a struggle for you, or at least, you know, not your clearest form of communication, I'll say, if that's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking how I feel about that. And I guess, like, you know, on one hand, I feel like I am a reluctant poet. You know, I mean, I write lyrics and I, you know, I'm proud of the lyrics that I write. Like, if I don't like them, I don't keep them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'd rather... have a song be eternally unfinished than a trite lyric, you know? So on one hand, I, I do feel like I have a pretty cool flow with words. On the other hand, I'm like abundantly aware at how flimsy words and language are. Maybe in particular English. Um, I only know English, but from what I've heard from other bilingual people, it seems like other languages do have somewhat of a little bit more of a nuance. Um, But you're totally right. We all have our own vocabulary, our own association with a shared vocabulary, right? Yeah. We have our own relationship to these words. And to your point, a lot of times it goes beyond the actual syntax. A lot of times it's the emotion and tone that we have in the words that we're saying, you know? And that's something that's a practice for me because I definitely have had a bad habit of maybe like verbally saying words that i i would stand by but my tone is like not great you know it sometimes can have more of like a harsh like well it's just this don't you see it you know what i mean like that type of thing and i can pretty clearly see where that came up in my upbringing and stuff um but yeah so i think um it's one of those situations where it's like we got to use the tools that we have and but what are we using the tools to do like what you do with the meditations you know you're using your words to remind people to go within that's what i'm trying to do with this podcast you know like i'm not getting up here in a position of authority that i know anything about anything i'm just having fun talking about the things that light me up and they're reminders to me and i always feel like super fulfilled at the end of a conversation you know like i feel like yeah like i just tuned into some energy that was really valuable you know like something that's gonna remind me to be more in tune with with myself with the self you know but um yeah anything to say off of that rant um (laughs) just wanted to all that I there. just think
1: it's, I just always have found it so fascinating to think that like we have words but they still come through our own filters. Mm. So like even the color red.
0: Oh my gosh, i thought about that see so much. red yeah. Different than
1: you see red but we have the same word for it. Yeah. So we might think we're, well yeah, we know what we're saying. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no real way to say do we really understand each other and I just think that's
2: yeah, when I was in high school, I had that that thought while not listening to whatever I was supposed to be listening to in class. I was like, "What if my red is blue to someone else?" <laughs> right. You know, but but like scientifically, like red is a certain frequency, right? Or it's lacking a certain frequency, and we're perceiving the lack of red as red or whatever. I think that's. I how mean, it works.
1: unless you're colorblind or your yeah, eyes right. perceive mm-hmm. things. That, you know, we all. Mm-hmm.
2: Who knows? Yes, totally, think. totally.
1: It's all fascinating, and we're all having our own experience even that's when we feel say, yeah. like it's a shared
2: thing mm-hmm. yeah which is a beautiful thing you know I think that when we're in a little bit more of like a more fragile victim mentality or whatever it may be an unhealthy more traumatized mode of being you could say that to someone in that mode and they'd be like turn it into paranoia oh, yeah. you know like that's but, terrifying right yeah right because you never
1: really understand anything
2: yeah it feeds into the loneliness program you know Um, but in the grandest scheme like it's an extremely beautiful thing that we're all having our own experience And and then you would think that at some point it would relax our desire or grasping for validation you know which I think it's pretty safe to say we all have at least a sliver of that I think it is an authentic need to a degree but I think there's a lot of excess um, importance put around that uh, that mirroring from other people, you know. And uh, I think it just boils down to self-worthiness, you know. And if we feel grounded and, and in trust of our own existence, our own uh, deserving to be here, you know, then then it's fine. And yeah, just have your experience, but so many of us have been programmed from such an early age that we need to prove our worth to earn our living and our stuff love. like that yeah Even yeah, love, yeah sure
1: something that's like a basic human need
2: mhm yeah. mhm
1: i think it's really interesting to think about self-worth on a spectrum okay because you have like on unworth- extreme unworthiness to like big headed
2: yeah sure right okay. and it's
1: like finding that Humble, happy medium.
0: Mm.
1: It's it's not something that's taught. I don't can't say I've ever had a class about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how do you find that happy medium? And something that I've been exploring a lot lately is, uh, I feel like that lately the theme that everybody's talking about is how to cultivate self-love. If you don't love yourself, then you know, nobody's going to respect you. Nobody's going to, you. you know, your people are going to treat you basically the way you treat yourself. Sure. It's kind of what I've come to the conclusion.
2: Basically, no amount of external validation is going to scratch the itch if you don't internally validate yourself.
1: Yeah, and and you. I, you know, I think we, I personally have struggled with um, receiving love, and I've come to the conclusion that our uh, capacity to receive love is in direct correlation with. Our uh, capacity to love ourselves. Sure. Which you would think in an equation equals self love. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's really hard. And one of the things I had written down in my journal a long time ago is how am I supposed to love myself? I don't even like
2: myself? Okay. Which yeah. is a very
1: sad thing to say and admit, but I'm at a different place in my life
2: now. I've definitely been there, yeah. It and what relatable.
1: I what I've, uh, feel like is like a shortcut is to really um tune into the love that our creator has and that fills me with so much more love than i have ever loved like is it really self-love or is it love from the divine yeah because like, that seems like easier to i mean of course if you don't believe in god that's a hard. Yeah. hard one to grasp um but i I think we're all, I believe we're all worthy of And I believe we're all created with intention and purpose. And I believe that our creator thinks real highly of each one of us. And if we can tune into that love that our creator has for us, he designed us with all these, all the imperfections that we have
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for a reason. And he loves and accepts fully and unconditionally. I can tune into that that feels like I'm able to I can open my heart that's yeah. a lot easier than trying to just cultivate love you don't mm. really love yourself
2: yeah I, I'm I'm trying to think of how to approach that one um I'm trying to translate what you said into my language because on a energetic level I totally get what you're saying Um, But I will readily admit that I I wouldn't necessarily use the same language, because I don't have the same positive associations to those words, even the use of, like, creator, or, like, you know, referring to God at all, let alone, like, like, I can pretty easily, like, okay, God, spirit source, all that is, the moment. Mm -hmm. To me, like, God is the moment. That's that's my biggest, like, translation when I hear that word.
1: So we're um, opening a can of worms. Sorry about that. No, it's good. <laughs> it's a good thing to, to
2: yeah. discuss, you know? Because, I mean, like I said, on an energetic level, like, I really don't feel like we're not on the same page. So it's a good thing to break down those barriers because there are barriers between, you know, there's culture wars of, of mm-hmm. some sort, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it is it is kind of silly that it sometimes just boils down to language. Yeah. And stuff like that. Um, but to your point, um, I'm trying to think of how I would say what you just said, and I think maybe, like, I really don't know. I I would probably have to sit with it a little bit, but I don't know, um, I don't know. I guess the way I would say it is, like, having a I don't know. I don't have a relationship to a creator. Like, that's not really how my paradigm is operating. Um, But I guess if I'm going to say that God equals the moment and that we are all, like, arising out of the moment, then I guess that's my version of saying that the moment created us or that God created us and and loves us. Um, But I don't know. I, I... I'm gonna bookmark that part of the approach. Okay, so I'm gonna unbookmark that part of my response. Um, If I hadn't been ego flailing from uh, somewhat of lack of total resonance with the words that Kim chose to use, I think I would have more wisely posed a question. And um, I'm interested in anyone's response to this question, in particular, Kim, if you happen to be watching this and you want to comment your reply or how you would respond to this, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, And the question being, what significant difference is there between self and the divine? Um, You could easily point out the obvious that, you know, well, obviously, um, hello, we can't uh, we aren't all-knowing and can't do anything that we want. We're not these magical wizards of divine proportion, right? Um, but I would argue that that's that we're looking at our ego identity there, and that our essence is the divine. I don't I don't see any significant difference there, and you know, even to assume that. The divine to assert any or assign any qualities to that, to assume that there's something out there that is all powerful, all knowing. I think that's even that's coming from a place of ego, a natural tendency to assume that the higher self is similar to this self, that it's a personality and it has thoughts and design and consideration and intelligence, I think those are all metaphors. You know, all of those words are metaphors. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just asserting the claim that by externalizing divinity from ourselves, we're creating more division and sort of convoluting the atmosphere of spirituality, which I think already can get kind of complex and can easily fall into um, easily fall into a situation of convoluted nature when I think truth, absolute truth, can be very simple. Not to say that I know all of the details of truth, but to me the simplicity of truth is right here right now. It's just that the one thing I can count on is this moment, this present moment. As much as I may get lost in my mind and thinking about the future or getting hung up on the past, I know that none of that's really real anymore the only thing that's real is what's right here and that doesn't mean that this particular moment with these forms and these contents are it that this is the divine I mean it is but it's not the absolute right but the the infinite moment that holds space for all of the arising and falling of the contents of awareness the the forms of awareness the forms of divinity, the creations of of God, if you will. Um, All of those things we know are temporary. We know that energy cannot be created nor destroyed, but we do know that it's constantly rearranging itself. It's always moving. And that's, you know, the Buddhist principle of impermanence, which we can all see in our lives. You know, we know that we all have expiration dates and that everything on earth is shifting at all times, whether or not we're Tuning into that, a lot of times we're clinging to things to say this stay the same, but that's going to create suffering because that's not rooted in truth. Nothing stays the same except for the infinite capacity that the moment holds for anything to arise in and out of. And so we're not separate from that moment. We are innately born of it. And I just, yeah, I just am asserting that there really is no valuable difference between us and divinity so when we say self-love or we say divine love i think if we go deep enough they become the same thing and uh all that said that's not to say that um externalizing divinity to be able to if that's what it takes for us to be able to see our worth and to feel that love if that's what it takes then like who am i to say that that's wrong i would never say that um i just yeah, I just wanted to clarify why that sort of threw me for a loop. So anyway, back to the conversation. On the other hand, I feel like what you're expressing is a beautiful example of how, what I'll call religion, you can call it something else later if you like, um, how religion can be a template for getting on with the dang thing, you know, a template for, um, Self-discovery, yeah, and self-love in this in this particular case, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll ask a question. So like, and. What about? Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> we like cats. <laughs> yeah, we're on your level after all. Um. So why don't you tell me about like your relationship with? With, uh, with the creator and, like, how that has come about in your life and why, like, why that feels like such a real hmm. thing for you to ground your self-love into.
1: Great question. Um, I think it's really interesting how I've gotten here as well. Um, I was raised Jewish. Oh, okay. Um, I would... Definitely say that I I never really felt my own personal connection to God until I was I was about in high school and I went to a Jewish youth group camp and it was like just the kids like there mm-hmm. there weren't really a whole lot of adults there and so leading the services on Friday night dinner or whatever the the other peers played the guitar, led the songs and let us all in the music and that is honestly the first time I ever felt my own connection to anything of a higher spirit source, mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, then So you
2: were practicing within that religion. I was in your childhood, yeah. So
1: I I have I remember going to college then and having this conversation with my roommate late at night in our dorm room just saying like Nobody really knows what the truth is. How can people like kill each other over this stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, this is you know, my perception versus your perception. Who's right? Who's to say who's right or wrong? Nobody's ever died and come back and had all the answers. Yeah. Um and so that really just kinda opened my mind to the fact that like I don't really understand this all. And then I went. Part of my therapy, when I was out of college and in the workforce and trying to heal my past so that I could have children that were not re-traumatized, my therapist had asked me about my faith. And I was like, I don't know, I don't really have any, I don't know. Um, And he suggested I read the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Mm. And I can't recall any specific thing about that. Book, but again, it opened my mind. And then I read. Did
2: you read the whole thing? uh,
1: I, I think I read the whole book of the living. Okay. (laughs) And then I got to like a little bit of the dying, and I was like, not ready for this. Yeah. And I don't think I ever came back around to it. Okay. But then I read *The Power of Myth* by Joseph Campbell, Mm. who talks about how all of the religions really boil down to similar stories. And there's always certain characters in each of these different religions and here we are fighting over it.
2: Yeah. And that His kind thing of is like the monomyth, right? Was that I f- referenced on that?
1: I it was so long ago. Okay,
2: I don't okay go ahead.
1: But um, that kind of deconstructed religion for me. In the fact that I'm like, I am know that I am connected to a source, a god. Something created all this because I'm here. Like that's evidence to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then it really wasn't until I began my awakening journey and I started to really explore like what is going on here. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many coincidences to be coincidental. Right. And For it to be random. Yeah. And then I feel like I started to like see like things I wanted to paint, like visions, I guess. And I was I had seen like the sunflower. And I tried to paint that. And then I'd seen, um, like, that, just the spiral, and I painted that. And then it was, like, some, I was watching something that was talking about the Fibonacci sequence. Mm -hmm. And something clicked for me where I was, like, This scientific evidence that there's a divine creator! And I got so excited and so, like, lit up by this that I was, like, I gotta, this is where I'm gonna, this is my path, and I'm gonna keep following it. And that's how I found my, um tuning forks that are the fibonacci they're the golden i'm sorry they're um the solfeggio frequencies okay which are based off of the um fibonacci sequence oh, okay. the golden mean gotcha. um, because they create that that spiral of life and there's so many uh instances in nature that you see that same ratio right and to me i was like this is not by chance and mm-hmm. um really just started to connect with whatever I felt like was that source. And I called it source Mm -hmm. creator, source creator. And um, then I really started working with affirmations, and those were very powerful for me. And it seemed like things would work for a little bit, and then until they stopped working, which kept me seeking.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, recently I've been reading the New Testament, and that's just completely... uh, Eye-opening because of the way I was raised, yeah. being Jewish, we don't really talk about Jesus, right. and um, a lot of my questions were answered, and mm. so now I feel like I'm getting closer to the truth, and but yeah, that's long story, kind of long, but yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah.
2: Cool. Gotcha. Just, so you yeah. don't you don't necessarily identify with a as a specific religious person? Like, uh, would you I don't, identify no, as a I, Christian or something like that? I don't. Yeah.
1: I don't. I think that religion is man's twisted... Man has twisted God. Yeah. And made it into religion. Yeah. So I don't really like religion. Not to say that one day I won't define myself in that way, but I feel yeah. like I don't really know enough of any... Of these to say this is what I am sure. like. I have a lot of beliefs that. that I don't know if they fit into a box.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I've got
1: my own connection to source, and that's what cool. I think is important. Is that like people have said? You know, take time in your in your day to pray, and um, you know, go to church and all that. And I think that that is uh, a minimalistic way of living with God. Like sure. God's inside of me. Like if I can tune into that more and more and become more aware of that and I'm embodying that mm-hmm. eventually. Like that is my goal and then when I play the singing bowls my work has really evolved and when I started learning uh, studying the New Testament I kind of I was kind of beating myself up a little bit because I'm like I haven't had any sound healing stuff in a while like what's going on this stuff's kind of like dried up do I still consider myself a sound healer and Yeah. all those nine chatter things. Right, yeah. But it really was interesting because all of a sudden when something clicked for me with that the New Testament and what I was learning and I really kind of started to embrace it, uh, I realized that my my views had shifted and they were in kind of like a discombobulated place. Like and I can considered myself somewhat of a spiritual guide before that. And so I'm like, how do I guide people I don't even know where I am at Mm -hmm. and so once um it was really fascinating because then things started to like book up again and I've had a lot more like opportunities and work in this field and I'm when I'm tuning in and speaking from like allowing source to flow through me I'm finding that I am holding people in this space of God's love Mm. and I feel like that is where we can heal the lo- like the longer that we can stay in that space, the more that that ego unravels, and the more that we see that, like this isn't none of this is by chance. This is not random. Mm-hmm. Everything is orchestrated, and um, every person we encounter, every conversation that we have, there's meaning behind everything if we really look. Um, and yeah. yeah, I really find it. A powerful experience and the words that are coming out of my mouth it's like w- at one point in time I'd have seen so cliche and here I am saying it but
2: yeah I hear you I hear you
1: um yeah it's I love I love it i mean, getting people to that space of just relaxing into mm-hmm. being held by source it's yeah. just like so amazing and then um it's like when we go you know I we said so we anchor to the earth ground to the earth and then all the way up and then come back down. And when I'm coming back down, it's like we're surrendering our entire bodies to God now. Like that's part of the practice I feel like has been, is like giving your your heart to God, to love through your heart, giving your mouth to God, to speak through your voice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: giving your eyes to God to see through your eyes. And it's it's like, I would never have said that before.
2: <laughs> I hear you, yeah there's a lot that you're saying that really resonates and there's some things that I'm curious about you clarifying. Um, I definitely resonate with what you said about religion. I think that religion in a lot of cases is sort of a fan club of someone who did the work you know yeah. so like Christianity like a lot of times it doesn't actually look too much like Christliness. A lot of times it looks like a Jesus fan club you know Jesus was if the Bible is at all accurate if Jesus was even a historical figure which to me doesn't really matter um but given that those are facts if we're gonna use that language which not really my language either sure um but you know if if the things I've heard that Jesus said are true he was talking about how It's right here. It's right here right now. He was saying that when he said that he's the son of God, like it wasn't about this parental thing. It was about, like you're saying, the creation of God, one with God. Yeah. And that that intimate connection, not just that, uh, you know, like I make a painting and put it on the wall and never think about it again. Right. You know, where it's like, no, like birthing, someone like uh, an intimate innate connection like literally a part of me you Mm -hmm. know Uh, I think that was the level of connection that he was getting at he realized that he is God
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know but in those days you couldn't just go out and say that because it would be seen as blasphemous you know which is ultimately what happened happened, right Um, look at Buddha you know Buddha is a person that tasted enlightenment tasted nirvana and he spoke about it you know there's probably been countless people who have become enlightened and didn't speak about it and didn't have religions built up around them you know mm-hmm. i think so these people were really bright lights mm-hmm. and those bright lights are going to attract people that are seeking light yeah. also it's going to attract some moths you know it's going to attract right. some some people that are why why are you shining so bright you know like in the story of jesus you know getting taken down by The government essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, My point is that I think that following a light can be helpful, like you said, to the point where it no longer becomes helpful Mm -hmm. because you can only follow so far, at some point, you have to embody. Yeah. Right? Um, So I think that religion can be a distraction. For a lot of people, especially in the ways that it's sort of still operating today,
1: you're still trusting somebody outside of yourself more than you're trusting yourself.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And really,
1: I believe it's like I'm trusting myself because I believe I have all the answers within, not because my human has the answers, yeah. but because God resides inside of me.
2: Exactly. And that was the other thing that I want to say that I really resonate with is that what you just said, uh, the divine being inside. That's my other like. Big, big criticism of religion in general is that a lot of times it's externalizing. Not a lot of times, in Christianity, it's externalizing. There's a lot of religions that are really deep, and I'm not saying that Christianity isn't one of them, but Christianity in the West, in America, like it's the clearest example of an institution that has become corrupt, you know, and that, yeah, yeah it may be built around some seeds of truth. But it's also been the catalyst of a lot of suffering and corruption. Deception. Deception, yeah. And power. um, Yeah. uh, Wrangling of the masses and, you know, keeping us in a story and keeping us feeling separate from God, you know? So that's a huge criticism Criticism I have of Christianity is the externalizing of the divine. Because Mm I, um, you said that... uh, well, to finish my sentence, I have a tendency to sometimes not finish my sentences, <laughs> And then never sort of go back around to finish it, to finish my point. <laughs> <I'm> guilty. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I believe that, you know, I, I believe that we are divine. That we are the divine unfolding as these egos. Um, so I understand what you're getting at when you say, like, creator creation type of dynamic. But, like, to me, that implies that, like... It implies, like, a certain uh, personality of divinity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's ego. Like, I think that's... You and I are the personality of the divine. Like, to me, I don't really see the divine as, like, an entity, like a creator, like a a person. Right. A and him, that's where I feel like... I feel like
1: well, coming back to the, the language yeah. barriers, it's like, I say the word God... Somebody who had a bad experience in church growing up thinks I'm talking about the same thing as them and they just shut down from it and they're not open to it. Yeah. Because they had, I have heard so many people that are turned off by faith completely because they had a bad experience growing up Mm -hmm. in church. And it's like, well, let's redefine that. What, maybe you were taught, maybe you were not taught the truth. Maybe i don't know it's like well, i don't it know it has
2: trauma associated with it and i can totally relate to that i mean thankfully i don't have like deep trauma like i wasn't abused by you know priests or something like that but there are people that have been yeah. you know and um
1: well and i know that the whole conversation of like oh you're you know you're, you're a sinner and all that it just like comes with so much guilt, guilt and shame but uh-huh. if you truly embody that divine aspect then you can surrender the guilt and shame, and immediately feel it being lifted from you, and that is something I've experienced, and that is powerful. And it's like, well, I know that I didn't do that, so there's something higher power than me that is at work here.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I feel but don't like you
2: feel like you could identify with that too. You know, like like maybe your ego can't take claim of that, but don't you feel that that higher power is also you?
1: Uh, yeah. Because that's Cause the, Again, language, yeah.
2: Yeah, we say I yeah. and we're referring to the ego. But, um... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just wanted to yeah. expand that. Yeah. I just think
1: it's, it's interesting to... I've always had to think a different definition of God than most people. Because for a long time I thought God was... And I'm still... I don't really know now what it is. But God is the force or the energy that gives life to all things that, Mm -hmm. like, allows things to exist in in harmony and, like, lives and breathes through me where I don't have to give conscious effort to it. Mm
0: -hmm. But something
1: is making that function. Yeah. It's like, that's God. Yeah. It's God that allows the centipede to crawl across the ground. Like, it's, you know, that's God. And, like, everywhere you look, the trees, the the wind that blows the leaves on the trees, like, that's God.
2: Yeah. I totally agree. I just, um... I'm just on the other side of the spectrum. I would say that there's no thing, like no hyphen thing making that happen, you know? So like, that's the only difference is that I don't, I don't relate to God as a thing. I relate to it as everything. Yeah. And it's the nothing that is everything. And I agree with that. And that's a a mystery, (laughs) right? And that's a paradox. And to me, like that paradox just ignites so much more like resonance within me. Than to 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 say that this mythology is true, you know. Which I know that's not what you're mm. saying, and I I totally relate to a lot of what you've said about your path and you know your relationship to religions and to um, everything you've said. But I am curious, unless you had something you wanted to say. No, go for that. it. Um, so what what about the New Testament it clicked so much for you? Was there anything particular that you could say about that?
1: Sure. Um. So. I haven't really shared this with too many people in my life that knew me growing up, so sorry, fam. <laughs> um, my first question was, if if Jesus is who they say he is in the New Testament, mm. then why did the Jewish people ignore that or hide that from us for all these years? Yeah. That and it was like well I was kind of taught that that um, he was just yeah we're not saying he didn't exist he was a human, but he was not the Messiah because right. when the Messiah comes there will be no more suffering on Earth. That's the Jewish belief. Um, so that was my big question coming in is why would they stay otherwise? They witnessed it. He was Jewish. He was one. He was from yeah. that the religion. And the answer was very clear in the first. Uh, I've only read the Book of Matthew so far, and I've started on the Book of John. But the, in very early on in the Book of Matthew, it talks about how the the Jewish leaders were threatened by his authority. And knowing what I know about ego, it makes so much sense. They didn't like the fact that he came in and said, Hey I'm hey, I'm the." I'm the son of God. I'm the son of man. Yeah. And they're like, no, you're not. We're in charge here. You, you know, you need to know your place because we are, you know, we are the leaders. Um, because, the, and and everything that Jesus taught was about compassion and love and not to get angry with others and to accept everyone and to help a stranger and to, like, give the clothes off your back to somebody in need. And I'm like, I resonate with that. I don't resonate with the, the power and the authority. Yeah. The figures that um, wouldn't accept who he was. If he, you know, if he is who they say he was. Yeah. And so I, I kind of started out just being really open to what he was teaching because I never had heard that, any of that before. I'm like, what he taught was beautiful. I never, Nobody ever taught me that. So i was really open to it um from
2: there gotcha gotcha i just um it's bringing up something about you said that from the jewish perspective that when the messiah comes that there would be no suffering the way i see that because i also feel that from the christian mythology the third coming of christ right third mm-hmm. he was born risen, be risen and that'd be the third right but um, i think
1: they call that the second coming Okay. I've questioned that too. Okay, I'm like, gotcha. you mean the third time? And they're
2: like, oh, okay, the second? second then. Okay, well, the- yeah,
1: because the first born second was resurrect.
2: That's what I thought. Okay, so, anyway. well, anyway, yeah, either semantics. way, um, here semantics. we go. Language yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say, like, spoiler alert, like, it's you. Like, the next coming of Christ is supposed to be you. Like, yeah. and I think that boils down to the Jesus thing, too. Like, Jesus, yeah, he probably did eliminate all suffering when he enlightened himself. You know, but that's in his perspective. Like, if we're going to talk about timelines and multiple alternate realities that are all stacked on top of each other in the infinite matrix of the moment, mm-hmm. you know, then like he probably was on a different timeline than us, you know, but we were still interfacing with him. That's really hard to talk about. Yeah. But um, I, I get your point that there's a, it's a power struggle, right? Yeah. So he had internal power and the external powers, the government obviously weren't cool with that you know yeah. of course the religion had you know it was it was not a secular government so all of that was tied together um, i could be wrong in, in some ways they were definitely yeah exactly I think well exactly and the other thing i was thinking is that like there's probably been countless other examples of people that had awakening experiences maybe they're not like totally awake i'm not even sure that i believe that that's possible i'm not sure I feel like total awakeness is probably death. You know, I think if we're incarnate on Earth, we're ego. I think that's what hmm. ego is, is aliveness. Hmm. Um, and that's a whole rabbit hole we could get into if we want to. <laughs> but um point being, like, you know, at any festival, any hippie festival ever in the history of, you know, humanity, there's been someone that's claiming that they're Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's a glimpse of nirvana or heaven or the perfection of the divine there's there's glimpses of that all the time there's recognition that we are it Mm -hmm. you know um and a lot of times we call those people crazy and put them in the nut house and stuff these days yeah and i'm sure that happened a bunch that's basically what happened with jesus Mm -hmm. you know it was just for some reason he was able to speak. So clearly, he was able to somehow showcase his divinity in a way that people actually bought into it. That that makes yeah. it sound perverted. Bought into it, all like he was a you know scammer. Yeah. But that people actually believed him.
1: Yeah. You know. Well, he performed miracles. Yeah. That people witnessed, and they still weren't. There were some that still weren't willing to accept it. And right. What did they? How did they can't explain some of the stuff that he did. Yeah. Um. But kind of like I said before, is when I said I'm like open-minded in anything is possible, so I'm not going to close my mind to the fact that he was the Messiah and that he may return, because if I do, that would exclude me from being saved if that's really a thing as well. Yeah. So I definitely
2: don't buy into that personally. But but um, so
1: like I I my previous religion never said that I had to believe one thing to be saved Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like okay well I'm open to it because hey if that's the truth then Holy Spirit you know come on come on in Um, because Jesus says that um, he is with you always and I do believe that um, through the Holy Spirit he is with you and I believe that I for a long time was tapping into that before I even knew what it was. And I'm still not super ready to like define what I'm experiencing mm-hmm. cuz I don't know.
2: Yeah. But I
1: do know that it is God. It is source. Yeah. Um but it could be I think that could be misunderstood by uh, by a lot of sure. people so.
2: Sure. Yeah, which you know, maybe maybe if part of the lesson from Jesus is like maybe not to preach about this type of stuff. Maybe, you know, relationship with the divine, it's okay for that to not have to be validated by other people and by the external mirrors and sacred mirrors that we were talking about earlier. Um, Yeah, I don't know. First, I want to say something, and then I want to ask you something. I want to say that I still struggle with the Jesus mythology because to me it still feels like we're so enchanted by his ego like Jesus was a person he was an ego and um, he was talking about something beyond ego which is Christ you know we know that's not his last name like <laughs> those are different things we all have Christ within us I don't remember what it literally means but isn't it like a Greek word for like delight or something like that I don't know. I'm pretty sure it somehow boils down to something like that yeah and he was trying to speak about how we all have Christ within us, but people weren't ready to hear that, so they're like, No, you got it, bro. You got it. Let's follow you, let's make this whole religion, this whole institution that's come from it. And um well to preface it, I both do and not do not believe every story that I hear that isn't in this present moment. So I both believe that Jesus was a physical incarnation, as much as I believe that like Frodo may or may not have been a physical incarnation you know like who's to say in the infinite universe who's to say right yeah right so it's not um that important to me whether or not jesus was real because the message of the mythology still is valuable you know and i think maybe some people will hear me say mythology and think that i'm like downplaying it like oh it's just a fairy tale no it's it's a story and just like any story, just like any movie you've seen, you know, you, we can resonate meaning and positive, life-affirming mm. uh, reflections from it. Mm-hmm. We can create that meaning mm-hmm. or it can just be whatever, just in one ear, out the other, uh, which is what the Bible was to me when I was in, you know, grade school and high school. I went to Catholic school from, you know, K through senior year. So wow. I you know, was reading this book every day in mm-hmm. class and it, it wasn't one ear out the other like yeah i went through a small phase in junior high where i really looked up to a teacher who was very religious and i started to like really get into the religion but i found myself in an energy of constantly judging everyone else Mm. constantly trying to just trying to discern between is this the devil or god you know And it was just like that was such a toxic energy for me to be in i'm Mm. so grateful that i pretty quickly grew out of that and started to question all of this stuff. Wow. And uh, massive props to the high school I went to, Roger Bacon. The best class I took, possibly the best class I took there was World Religions. It was the one religion class where we weren't talking about Christianity. Nice. And I got privy to Buddhism and Hinduism. Awesome. And I was, like, so, like, lit up by those religions. I was like, oh, cool. Like, there's yeah. other mythologies that have other things to bring to the table. And it wasn't this strict, like rigid, this is how it is and you're a sinner and you're going to hell if you're not believing in it and saved and stuff, you know, which brings us to the fear and I think that that fear and faith really do play off of each other like two sides of the same coin a lot and on the more unhealthy side of things I think that a lot of faith is rooted in fear, Hmm. especially with the whole hell tactic with a lot of um you know, Christian culture, there is a lot of that, you know, this um, idea that if you don't do it right, you're going to suffer, and mm. that's just such, to me, To me, that's such a toxic way of motivating people, yeah. especially to motivating them to, like, be one with the light, you know, that just yeah. doesn't make sense to me, um, so that was a rant, but my question was, what's what's the deal with the whole like saved thing like what's your relationship to that what does that mean to you um because you're saying if it is true well i do believe that
1: that we're not here for just this lifetime and that's it like i think that there's definitely more to more like this is a blip i think in the grand grand scheme of things I don't know. I don't really have, like, hard answers for what that looks like. I don't know if I believe in the devil, I don't know if I believe in heaven, if, if I believe in hell. Really? Um, but I don't want to close do- any doors. You know? In case it's real? In case it's real.
2: Well, don't, do you, don't you feel like that's rooted in fear, though?
1: Um. No, because I feel like I've had glimpses of the light and I want to be part
2: of it. I see. I feel that.
1: that. But what I I do want to, what your question did remind me of of a a story that when I did first start learning about sins and Jesus kind of talks about how um, well he if you believe, he says, if you believe in me I will forgive all of your sins and I used to think that that was that meant like, oh, well, then you can keep sinning and that's a cop out, you know. But I did start kind of playing around with that as like, okay well, show I would like prayed before bed one night. I said, show me where I've uh, I actually I was counting all of my blessings before bed. And I was like, what have I missed? And then I was like, my children. And then I realized that, like, I've been seeing my children as more of a burden than a blessing. And so I said, "Help me to see," just like a prayer. Help me to see my children as a blessing, rather than a burden. And that night, I had a dream that um, they died. Oh wow! And I it actually, so there's a little bit before this part where I was like, "What do I have to do to get the Holy Spirit? Come on!" <laughs> like playing around with that, playing around with like muscle testing and like some other Mm -hmm. old spiritual stuff I know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just ask for it. And I was like, okay, can I have the Holy Spirit? And it was like, no. (laughs) I was like, well, what do I have to do? You said I could just ask and I got nothing. So like later on I was like driving and I heard, uh, I was listening to like one of the um, Bible study lectures and it was saying something about how like God, Jesus wants you to cry out in desperation and if it likes to really express how much you need him and oh. and I was or he will give you an instance in your life where everything is stripped away so that you cry out in desperation and I was like well that's crappy like I don't want to lose everything like can I just like be really grateful for what I have and have you know cry out in desperation and I was like it's muscle testing so I was like, God, I need you, like, crying out, like, mm. I don't want to lose everything, like, please. And it was like, can I have the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and then I had to muscle tested, it and it was like, yes. I was like, oh, I have the Holy Spirit? Yes. I was like, oh, all right. So then, that was the next night that I asked about my kids and then that I was given that dream and you know, maybe it was just my higher self, my subconscious, like, who knows? Like, I can't define what and why happened. But what happened was that I witnessed them die and I woke up, my clock went off as soon as it happened. So like, I couldn't even do anything about it, but I like dove back into the dream and was like, I need the, an- I have the anecdote. <laughs> and I went back and I, I saved them and it was oh, fine. Wow. And then the le- the rest of the ten minutes of my snooze or whatever, I was just like, thank you, God, thank you. Like, I will never see them as a burden again. Like, I'm so, I know how blessed I am to have them. And like, oh, I know how it would feel to lose them. And I don't ever want to experience that again. Mm-hmm. And was just like crying out in desperation. Essentially. Um, and then there was there was another uh, experience where I had that was like um, Holy Spirit show me where where I'm sitting. and uh, another like vision I guess came to me that I was kind of taking my husband for granted and like all that he does for me and my family and not really appreciating it and it really brought up a lot of fear of like really falling deeper in love and losing him and how terrifying that would be. And that's why I wasn't allowing myself to go there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But in processing all that, I'm like, I am so grateful for everything that he's doing. And I want to make sure he knows that. And it, you know, I, was, I acknowledged that the, I had this fear of losing him, but allowed myself to go a little bit deeper. So it's since I've accepted the Holy Spirit or whatever, I do feel like I've had some direct experiences that have been, you know, something that is deeper than what I had before. Mm -hmm. And um, other experience was just like feeling really guilty or shameful about the situation I like handled with my my daughter, like I got angry when she went to bed and I was like, like kind of stewing over that and I was like, wait, I don't. Doing that so, I said, like, Holy Spirit, please take this away, and it was like instantly lifted. And it's just like things that I couldn't do before mm-hmm. were coming more easily and naturally. Hmm. So, it's something is different, something is working, and I'm going to keep going with it. So, yeah, right on. But, like I said, I can't tell you why or how so, yeah, or yeah. what's gonna happen or what that means to be saved, or, yeah,
2: okay. but yeah, yeah but I'm like, I, I want
1: to experience this if it's.
2: It's legit. It's real. Gotcha. Gotcha. A couple of things are coming up for me. Uh, first of all, I totally respect that because, I, again, I think that's an example of how this type of um, engagement with scripture and with this uh, template of spirituality, if you will, can be scaffolding for Deeper. growth. Yeah. W- what did you call it?
1: Deeper experience. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, it seems like it brought up some shadow work for you, which is good things. You know, I have, um, actually, I think I'm going to sort of just break down, I'll try to keep it really brief, uh, my perspective on when it comes to belief uh, and belief systems.
1: Mm. Cool.
2: So, I feel and suspect that the human entity, the ego, is sort of like... A computer that we can program with any sort of software. So agreed. Yeah. So when we're we're when we're an infant, mm-hmm. we're an open canvas, and we're immediately being programmed mm-hmm. with software with belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, what our name is, what our gender is, what it means to be a human on a planet, what it what the real world is, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff, all that normal and that, social conditioning. And right? They
1: say that happens between like the ages of zero and seven. Yeah. Zero and three, even, are really right. the most formative years. Most formative, but by yeah. seven, it's like solidified.
2: Yeah, but even after then, you know, I mean, that, yeah, you're right. That's going to be your core personality and your core beliefs. But even after that, you know, we're still maintaining beliefs uh, through the media that we're consuming, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I do feel that it's possible to rewire ourselves, to remind ourselves. It's kind of what I'm getting at with Thanks. this whole thing. Yeah. Um, I certainly haven't hacked it. Myself, You know, I'm not claiming to know exactly how to do it, but I'm extremely interested in aligning myself with that. And um, so I feel like perhaps you're programming yourself with the software of that mythology, of that scripture, Mm -hmm. spiritual template. There's no right and wrong here, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's the biggest difference of the feeling of where I orient myself spiritually is that... To me, there is no right and wrong. There's just things that are in alignment with harmony, and there's things that are turning away from harmony. You know, um, one thing that stood out to me, like kind of red flag-ish from what you said, is uh, you're quoting scripture and said that Jesus said something like, "I'll forgive all your sins if." I was like, "Bro, that's conditional love. That's conditional forgiveness," and I just it just doesn't. That doesn't fill me up. That doesn't inspire me. That that brings about a lot of fear, actually. <laughs> and it just reminds me that, like, thankfully, I've positioned myself, and I know this sounds blasphemous to, like, hardcore Christians, but thankfully I've positioned myself to not need Jesus as a um, mediator between me and forgiveness or me and love or me and divinity, you know, because I, much like I feel Jesus did, I feel like I have a direct connection with what it means to be in divine flow and to, I mean, I deeply resonate with some of the ideals of Jesus of compassion and forgiveness and how necessary those things are for moving forward spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just because I know of the historical context of the religion and I know how many times the Bible has been rewritten, reinterpreted, re- re Manipulated. Right it's hard man. for me... Yeah, exactly. It's hard for me to pick apart which parts of these are, like, spirit... Mm-hmm. Words of spirit, which of them are words of the power structures putting us in a position to be manipulated, you know? And that... Yeah, so I just wanted to share that.
1: Well, please don't quote me on the Bible, because I am a noob, newbie. And, uh... Yeah. I think that... Um
2: yeah I mean fair enough yeah. and you know to your point it was it was what you needed you know and yeah. it, it was something that allowed you to come to a deeper feeling and a different perspective yeah. and you know I think that's all beautiful um
1: I totally agree with you though like it could have been easily manipulated and changed and modified by man yeah to, for deception mm-hmm. um but I really think it um you get out of it what you need yeah. so and and it's I interesting agree. when you don't when I, I've noticed when I don't read it or digest it daily I don't feel the same connection and um, what you know you take what resonates
2: yeah
1: if it doesn't resonate you leave, sure. you leave the rest as with right. anything
2: right. as with
1: this conversation
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely as with anything like yeah, you said. yeah. Um, are you familiar with non-duality
1: um I mean mm, that not whole me know that there's like non-duality.
2: Yeah. Not it. Yeah, as like <laughs> a mean? I don't know what to call it, but as like a philosophy or or a epistemology of sorts. Um I was just curious. It's it's really the what I've come across in the spiritual realms of verbalizing about spirituality, it's been what resonates the deepest with me. And it's essentially as you put together you know going beyond duality you know we live on earth where we have day and night we tend to categorize things as right and wrong you know good and bad sin and salvation and all these things and it's basically just blows all that out of the water to say that like just things happening in the moment and um one of the things that it kind of like points to is the idea that yeah just to become really aware of like when we do create um how should I put it? I like the way I said it with the Jesus thing. When we, when we create mediators between us and divine to, to be aware of that. And, um, yeah. you know, like you said, you were talking about like different spiritual methodologies that you've come across and that, like you would use them until they became. not effective. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't
1: getting any deeper.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that made me think about the idea of like, um, like uh for instance you know Eckhart Tolle like I would say that he's a non-duality speaker I don't know if that he would call it that but it's very much in in that Zen sort of domain Taoism all those sorts of things I think kind of are within the non-duality sphere um but yeah uh the idea of seeking you know um I identified as a seeker, as a spiritual seeker for most of my life, and I think through things like non-duality, I've been reminded that like we're actually where we need to be, that we don't need to seek, we don't need to prove our deserving of salvation, we don't need to prove our ability to transcend suffering. You know, uh, When I was a senior in high school, I read this book, it wasn't a class book, I just picked it up from that world religions class, I got very interested and in. I picked up this book called God Is Not One. Um, Stephen Rothfellow or something like that. Um, his whole argument was that, you know how a lot of people say about religions, oh, different paths up the same mountain type of deal. It was a counter argument to that, basically asserting that each religion has a different goal in mind. That with Christianity, it's salvation. You know, so there's this innate belief that We need to be saved from something. From what? From original sin, you know? And uh, I choose not to believe that anymore. You know, that software, to me, has led to the function, because I'm more concerned and interested in the function of our belief rather than the belief itself. To me, we can substitute any beliefs. They're all neither right or wrong. They're just how we're orienting our experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe I'm a human, therefore I'm experiencing humanity. You know, if I didn't believe that, I would be experiencing something different, right? Um, so it's not all just religious belief or spiritual belief. It's like, you know, I mean, that, that is a spiritual belief to believe that we're human, you know, yeah. there's a story that we've been told. What if, we were, what if we were told that we were multi-dimensional beings from right. birth, you know, we would have an entirely different, there would be a different function of that belief. Mm-hmm. i so, like that idea <laughs> yeah so i'm very interested in the function of belief
1: cool
2: and uh, so i've decided to sort of leave that in the past this idea that the the idea of original sin that there's something wrong with me for being an ego like i don't that doesn't feel good that that doesn't inspire me you know i prefer to see this as just a play place that this is the the flower unfolding, you know, and the flower before it's bloomed. It's not judging itself for being a sinner, you know. Right. It's just being what it's being, right. you know, and it doesn't need to categorize itself as anything. It just simply is, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So to me, that's just what I really try to ground myself back into. Yeah. Obviously, I still have ego hangups and self-limiting beliefs and fear. Absolutely, that is keeping me from being as free as I know that it could be um so what did you want to say about fear it sounded like you had a oh, story about that I
1: do and I don't know if we even have time for really? it at this point but um okay. I just I grew up afraid of everything yeah and so I have a big part of my journey has been to unravel the mind the ego um the emotional fight or flight response the um how my core beliefs shape uh, my perception of the world, yeah. um, and reprogramming that, like you said. Yeah. I've done a lot of work on that, and I w- would say I don't recognize even the person I was a few years ago. A lot's changed. Yeah. Um,
2: what kind of modalities have you used to reprogram yourself in those ways?
1: So, question I don't know if they have any names I think intuitive guidance uh, connecting with others learning from everybody
0: yeah
1: Um, one of the big things that I did um, was to start following my intuition and that was a huge thing for me because before that I think I kind of squashed it because I didn't put any trust in it and so I had an experience where um, I, I got to use it and had validation that it was accurate, and so I started to listen to it more and more yeah. and more, which guided me to um, sitting in sacred circles, and where I learned about, like, the mirror and shadow work, mm-hmm. and each time we sat in sacred circle, though, we would um, the whoever was facilitating it would um, call in the four directions. Okay. And I didn't know what that was. And so, um, but sh- like shortly after that i started feeling like activated mm. like it's time i'm ready let's begin but i didn't know what i was starting so mm. i was like feeling this really strong drive to get started but i didn't know what i was starting so i'm like all i can do and i kept trying to like put myself into these different boxes like maybe it's this maybe it's that maybe it, but why it wasn't or whatever I'd explore each of these different things and it wasn't and so I was like I guess it's just to keep following my intuition and trust that it's going to lead me there and so one of the things I did was I came across this online course of understanding the four directions because I was like we keep calling this in and what are we invoking like yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing are these people witches or <laughs> you know like is that bad energy and yeah. I just wanted to learn more so I was like, I don't know what I'm starting, but I'm going to follow the path and, and this is a yes. And so that experience is the story that I wanted to share, but it's pretty in depth and detailed and I probably could get through it, but I don't know if that's we, like we the point, save it right? For another, yeah, we, could, we
2: <laughs> yeah. could do another episode. Yeah, but
1: it was, it was very transformational and illuminated the fact that I was living in this constant state of fear yeah and that it was time to let go of fear and um, I th- that around the same time just started trusting intuition so you know shifting from fear to faith yeah
2: and
1: um, trusting that everything is gonna be okay and everything's working out and yeah. everything has meaning and just coming to that conclusion that I'm I'm connected to these to this creation, this this universe. Like I'm not out here on my own, walking blindly. Right. Like, uh, there's something greater going on, and that's definitely what's led me here today awesome
2: awesome Loved yeah it. yeah well I look forward to hearing the the full the yeah full version.
1: yeah sorry to leave you hanging no not <laughs> at all it
2: gives us a little cliffhanger yeah
1: yeah to be continued <sighs>
2: yeah totally awesome yeah because
1: um, was like every single thing in it was like synchronicity yeah to the point where I'm like I can't deny this
2: cool anymore Cool. You got me on the edge of my pillow. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Well, one thing I like to ask at the end of an episode is: there anything a that you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say, other than that story? Uh Um, And b anything that came up that you just want to highlight, maybe something that we can like take into our day or put into action, something like that. great
1: questions. Um, I truly feel that each one of us is our own unique expression of source and we're each given special gifts that are needed in the world and when we're stuck in a place of fear and anxiety we're not able to realize our fullest potential
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so we have to figure out a way to move past fear whatever that may be and that may be different for everybody But your gifts are needed. And you are each one of us is a piece of this puzzle. And I, I do feel like we are rising as a, a a people, as a planet. I don't know what that means mm-hmm. but in order to get there to this beautiful place that I've envisioned in my mind where I said the light, I've seen the light. This uh, this place of, of peace is a place of harmony and it's, it's so beautiful. And in order to get there, each one of us has to shine. Mm-hmm. So figure out a way to get there and you're not alone. Like nobody, you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. But you have all the answers within. So if you need to find, you need to work with somebody else to unlock that, Right. do it. Mm-hmm. But know that the ultimate goal is to unlock your own potential and, and your gifts.
2: Yeah. Your gifts. I love gifts.
1: that. So, yeah. yeah we're all pieces of this you. puzzle, and I don't think it can really work without us all doing our part.
2: Yeah. 100%. Thank you. That's definitely something to meditate on, and, and really... You said that we're rising, or we rising, or something like that.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, it's... a. It's, uh, something I've been sort of postulating about recently is like this idea of like rising but also this idea of arriving you know because so much of our culture is this like forward thinking like our our satisfaction our salvation our enlightenment our awakening is always out there out there in the future once I've done enough once I've proved myself enough once I've whatever yeah and while that is There's a seed of truth in that. Mm -hmm. I feel that that only happens here when we arrive Mm -hmm. and where we are now. And um, coming back to the the Christlihood of forgiveness and compassion, you know, to offer that to ourselves first and foremost, I feel like creates space to then uh, muster some courage, Mm -hmm. you know, because I feel if I'm judging myself or Ashamed, right. yeah. then I don't have a whole lot of energy to be courageous. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll cap it there. Um,
1: Vulnerability and humility are two of the most beautiful human traits that I've ever witnessed. Yeah. So, gotta muster that up.
2: Start practicing. Start you practicing. Know? practicing yeah. It gets easier, right?
1: Yeah, but there, our latest album, Frequency Matters, is called Stepping In, and I think that goes along with what you're saying. Is like. Yeah yes we are rising and yes we have this vision of this greater place but like we're here now and we've got to we gotta live in the pre- present moment mm-hmm. so
2: yeah and there's arrive. there's work to be done and there's also a bliss to be felt you know, right right here right, right
1: now. now exactly Like yeah, chilling.